Well, thank you, Jason Lovins Band. Let's just give them another round of applause for leading us. Thank you. Dr. Horn, Dr. Manuel, Louisiana Baptist, I want to bring you greetings from Dr. David Dockery, Interim President at Southwestern Seminary, and all of our faculty and students. And I just want to say to you, thank you for your generous gifts to the cooperative program of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, because you give, we are able to fund a missionary force of 3,667 missionaries across the world, church planters here in North America. And then you also are able to help uh, God-called men and women get education where they can stay with all their hearts and all their minds. And it doesn't cost them an arm and a leg because you sacrificially give. And if that's not enough, just realize it feeds a hungry family. Mine. So thank you for giving to the cooperative program of the Southern Baptist Convention. I hope you've got a copy of the scriptures or a phone or a tablet. And if you do, I want to invite you to open it up or turn it on to and locate 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And this uh, afternoon we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 through 11. And I want to uh, preach to you a message uh, this afternoon entitled, The Sufficiency of Scripture and the Gospel. The Sufficiency of Scripture and uh, the Gospel. I don't know about you and when the last time it was that you went to share the gospel, but um, I remember a time uh, when, this was a few years ago, I've shared it many times since then, but a few years ago when I shared the gospel, we at Southwestern Seminary, we go out every week and we go to college campuses, we go to coffee shops, and we go, still go door to door and share the gospel. And uh, I was taking a few students there, probably about a, a half a mile away from the seminary campus. And as we were there, we were knocking on doors, we were on a sidewalk, and two young ladies, they had to either be late middle school or early high school age, they came up to us and they said, what are you doing? Well, if you want to talk about an opportunity to share the gospel, that was it, because that's what we were doing, and they asked us what we were doing. So I said, I'm glad you asked. We're telling people how they can have faith in Jesus Christ and receive peace and, uh, and forgiveness of their sins. I said, would you like to know more about that? And they said, yeah, we'd like to know about it. So I said, well, to know about the peace that comes through Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of our sins, we have to realize, first of all, we're sinners. Sin is disobedience to God. Would you say you've ever sinned? And one of the girls said, yes, I'm a sinner. And I said, okay, what about you? And the other girl said, no, I've never sinned. Well, I started laughing at her. I mean, I thought she was joking. And she kind of got indignant whenever I laughed at her like that. And I said, okay. I said, uh, are you sure you've never sinned before? She said, no, I'm my daddy's little princess. Well, I started looking around for daddy. You know, I didn't know if he's going to come after me or not because I told his daughter that he, she was a sinner. And I thought, what am I going to do to convince this young lady that she's not right with God? Like all of us are not right with God. And all of a sudden in that moment, the Holy Spirit impressed upon my heart this message, tell her my word. I didn't say it's from Romans 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 10, or Romans 3, 23. I just said, young lady, there is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory. I said those two words, she didn't even know that those were scriptures. 
And all of a sudden, in that moment, though it doesn't always happen this way, of course, but in that moment, the Holy Spirit used the Word of God to convict that girl of her sin. And that young lady who said she had never sinned started confessing her sins to me and to our students and even to her friend that was there. The power of the Word of God. And then we were able to go on and share the gospel with her. Do you ever find yourself afraid and not knowing what to say if you were to share the gospel? Or do you ever find yourself in those times when you feel like the Holy Spirit is impressing on your heart, share the gospel, but you just don't know how to get into it or something like that? I've got some good news for you. Uh, the gospel is sufficient to save, and the scriptures are sufficient to tell you what to tell someone else in order that they may come to faith in Jesus Christ if they repent and if they believe. As we come to our text, and I'll read it in just a moment, I want you to be aware, many times when we talk about 1 Corinthians 15, we think of it in two different parts. We think of it in this first section where it talks about the gospel, and it's the gospel in a nutshell, and then we think later on it comes and Paul's trying to defend the resurrection. But really, this is a complete unit of thought. And as we come to this part of the text, Paul's opponents in Corinth are attacking the gospel specifically in terms of whether or not there is a resurrection of the dead. That's what they're really dealing with him and, and confronting him about. And so Paul answers them in all of chapter 15 with a series of arguments. He uses a theological argument. He uses a logical argument. In fact, he uses a psychological argument. He said, listen, if the dead are not raised, Jesus is not raised, and we of all people are to be most pitied. I mean, we're really messed up if Jesus didn't raise from the dead. But before he gets to his theological, logical, psychological, biblical uh, arguments for the resurrection, he starts off with defending the scriptures. So follow along with me in the text as I uh, read it for us and as we set uh, in our minds this foundation that Paul is going to defend the resurrection of the dead. Here's what he says. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers... Of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you as of first importance that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Then he appeared to Cephas and the twelve, and he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles." Unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and you believed. 
This is God's word for us this afternoon in this session. As you look at this text, I want to bring the text to mind. When uh, Paul first had uh, his uh, relationship and his introduction to Corinth, we really don't read about all of that. We read some hints of that in 1 Corinthians, but we really get the, 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 the gist of what took place if we go to Acts chapter 18. And so if you want to take some time and look at that sometime, you'll see in Acts chapter 18 how Paul went into Corinth. Actually, he actually has almost this fear episode where he gets so afraid in preaching the gospel, he's met with resistance, that the Lord Jesus himself has to come in the middle of the night in a vision to tell him, Paul... Do not be afraid. Go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you and I have many in this city. As we know about that, that's going to help us understand some of what went on with Paul as he's writing this. And I want you to see uh, there's three reasons that we as, as Christians and we as Baptists we as believers in Jesus Christ ought to trust in the sufficiency of the scriptures and the gospel for our evangelism. The first thing I want you to see is this, that the scriptures are sufficient to save and stabilize converts with the gospel. We're going to see that in verses 1 and 2. The scriptures are also sufficient to save and to stabilize uh, uh, excuse me, to substantiate the content of the gospel. And then last, I want you to see that the scriptures are sufficient to standardize the communication of the gospel. Let's look at that first point here in verses 1 and 2. The scriptures are sufficient to save and stabilize converts with the gospel. Paul says, now I would remind you brothers, and by this he also includes uh, 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 women, brothers and sisters. He's wanting to remind them of the gospel, the good news that he preached to them. Now the gospel he preached to them, we're going to find out in verses uh, uh, 3 and 4. He's going to talk to us, so I don't want to get too far ahead about uh, what his gospel is because he, we'll read it in just a moment. But the gospel that he preached, he says, is something that you received. You know, uh, I sometimes go around in churches and many times I'll ask a question, how many of you were born a Christian? And uh, many times I'll have at least one person raise their hand that they were born a Christian. Friends, let me just tell you something. No one is ever born a Christian. You're born again a Christian. <laughs> and so what he says here is, no matter if you've been in church all your life, or whether it's the first time this evangelism conference, you just stumbled in to come and see what all the cars were about. When you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, hearing it is not enough. You have to receive it. And Paul says, the gospel that I preached to you, you received now, when Paul would preach the gospel, we see the ways that he preached the gospel. He did it in all kinds of different places. But specifically, where was the first place in almost every city that Paul went to that he went to preach the gospel first? Anybody have an idea? 
The synagogue, if you didn't hear that. He would always go to the synagogue. And there are actually three times that he goes when he preaches in a synagogue that the scripture tells us a little bit more about what the content was. Many times he just goes, like whenever Luke talks about him going to Corinth in Acts chapter 18, it says he went to the synagogue and he uh, pers- tried to persuade both Jews and Greeks that Jesus was the Christ. But for example, if you were to look in Acts 13, 14 through 47... Paul went to Antioch in Pisidia, and there he went to the synagogue. And in the synagogue, the Bible says they opened up the law and the prophets, and they said to Paul and his companion, Brothers, do you have any word for us? (laughs) He said, I just don't have a word for you. I'm going to preach that word you just preached from the law and the prophets to preach to you, Jesus Christ. We also see that uh, later on he goes to Thessalonica and in Acts chapter 17 verses 2 through 3 the Bible says he went to the synagogue and he reasoned with the scriptures to the people that Jesus was the Christ. And then later in that chapter, Acts chapter 17 verse 11, he's with the Bereans. And he says that the Bereans were spending time examining the scriptures Lining up what they were telling him, what Paul was saying, to what the scriptures had said. Whenever Paul preached the gospel, he preached a gospel that was so tied to the scriptures that it had its meaning in the scriptures and not just some script. As Southern Baptists, we have done our evangelism training at least since the 1960s. And what we have done is we have provided a script that someone else wrote. And we said, that's the gospel. Let me give you an example. Help me out here. A is for admit. B is for believe. C is for confess. All right, let's see how many of you uh, are familiar with this one. F is for, uh, is faith, but forgiveness. A is for Available, I is for impossible, T is for turn, H is for heaven. Now, more people knew the ABCs than the F-A-I-T-Hs, right? But here's the thing. What we have done when we've preached the gospel, we have said this script that you memorize is the gospel. And we have tried to, with those scripts, try to help people know here's what you need to say if you don't know what you need to say. But friends, let me just tell you something. There's nothing wrong with those scripts. I've been trained and certified in all of them, and many of you have been too. But let me just say this. May it never be said of Southern Baptists that we trust in a script a man wrote than the scriptures that God, through the Holy Spirit, had men write. And Paul, whenever he went into Corinth, he wasn't giving a script. He was preaching the scriptures because the scriptures are sufficient to save. And by the way, they're right there and you don't even have to memorize them. You just have to be able to read them. The scriptures are right there. So Paul says, the gospel that I preached and and by extension, the scriptures that he preached the gospel from, he said, you received. Let me ask you a question. I know we're at an evangelism conference. I know we're in the Bible Belt. But has there ever been a time in your life when you received the Scriptures? 
I'm not talking about just mentally assented to the scriptures. I don't mean that you could rehash or repeat the scriptures and the gospel. But if you ever receive the gospel and the scriptures into your life so that they began to pour out and you began to tell other people the scriptures and the gospel. He said you need to receive today. Let me just say to you, if there's ever been a time in your life, if you can't think of that time, not just that you were born, not that you just went to church for the first time, but that you were born again. All births have a point in time. Then today, dear friends, brother or sister, friend, I implore you to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. And it can only be received, first of all, by repenting of your sin. You've got to change your way of thinking. You've got to realize that your good will not save you. Your good will never outweigh your bad. And by the way, if your good could save you, Jesus would have stayed up in heaven. But your good and your bad cannot save you. Only Jesus can. Turn away from your sin. That's repent. And then when you realize you and no one else can save yourself, you put your faith and believe in Jesus Christ. Too many times today we talk about people believing in Jesus. We never talk to them about how they repent. No one will ever believe in their heart if they don't, first of all, change their mind. Every single time that the Scripture says repent and believe in the New Testament, repentance always precedes belief. Have you ever received the Scripture's message about the gospel? He said you received it, and then he said when you received it, you stood in it. I'm reminded of that great song by the Gettys. Here in the power of Christ... I stand in the gospel, in the scriptures. I stand. Maybe you're here today, Pastor. Maybe you're here and you've, you've been on uh, shaky ground. You've had people attack you. You've had people call to question your calling. And you are just about ready to just fall down because you just don't know if you can even do this anymore. Friends, let me tell you, if you're here like that today, there is power in the gospel because the scriptures are sufficient to help you stand no matter what you have gone through. Find some of this convention staff. Find a fellow pastor. And together, let them encourage you from the scriptures so that you can stand. Because when you are called into ministry, you were called into gospel ministry. And the gospel ministry is founded in the scriptures. If we don't have the scriptures, we don't have a gospel. He stood. Maybe some of you, you're not, uh, you're not a pastor. You're, you're not wondering, you know, am I still called to gospel ministry? You're, you're a lay person. Maybe you're retired. And, but let me tell you, all of us, no matter who we are, and even evangelists and professors like me, there's been times in my life where I questioned my salvation. I just didn't know if I could stand or not. Friends, that's a very common thing. And that means one of either two things. Either the devil's attacking you and you are saved. Or you're actually the Holy Spirit's convicting you because you're not saved. Do you remember a time in which you received the gospel? Because the only way you can stand in the gospel is if you receive the gospel. And not only does the gospel, uh, is it something to be received, it's something in which we stand. Paul goes on to say the gospel is something in which we are being saved. Do you know that right now you're being saved? I was saved at the age of seven in Asheville, North Carolina... In the year 1982, I was saved then, but I'm being saved right now. And tomorrow, if Jesus doesn't come back, I'm still going to be saved. The gospel is still going to have its work on me. I, I remember the great hymn and song, that third verse. I love to tell the story 
to those who know it best seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. You know why those who know it best, the Christians, should love to hear the gospel? Because it didn't just save us, it's saving us. We ought to always love to hear the gospel. We ought to never think it is too old for us to hear or too basic for us to hear. We ought to rejoice when we hear the gospel. We need to receive it. If we receive it, we will stand in it. If we stand in it, we will be being saved by it. But then he says this. You are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preached to you unless you believed in vain. Now we as Baptists believe in once saved, always saved. Amen? But that doesn't mean just because you made some decision that maybe wasn't uh, a true decision that you're going to be saved all the way. Uh, if you, uh, you don't, we don't believe in salvation uh, uh, by works, but we do believe in a salvation that works. And if you've not believed in the Word, the Word, the Scriptures, the Gospel that Paul preached, the same Gospel he preaches, the same Gospel that Jesus preached, then the fact of the matter is we may have believed in vain. Are you here today and can you say that maybe today the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart? Maybe you know about the gospel, maybe you know the gospel, maybe you can repeat the gospel, but you've never received the gospel. Because of that, you can't stand. Because of that, you're not being saved. Today, friend, is the day for you to do that. You said in an evangelism conference, there's going to be someone lost here? I bet there is someone who does not know Jesus that's here. I see people saved in evangelism. Who, who in the, who, what lost person would ever be caught dead in evangelism training? But they are. So maybe you're here today and you've never believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'd like to invite you to do that today. You've got to change your mind. You've got to realize you can't save you. All the knowledge that you have about the scriptures and the gospel, that even cannot save you. Only Jesus saves you. Turn away from all your self-reliance. And when you say nothing else can save me, I'm, not as, I'm a sinner. I'm not as good as I think I am. And I'm certainly not as good as my mama thinks I am. Jesus is the only thing that can save me today. Would you receive him in faith today? The scriptures are sufficient to save and stabilize converts with the gospel. There's another truth I want you to see here. The other truth is this. The scriptures are sufficient to substantiate the content of the gospel. Look in verses 3 and 4 here. Paul says, For I delivered to you as of first importance that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Friends, what Paul is saying here is, he said, look, I told you what someone else told me. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know, I would share the gospel if I just had some evangelism training, I would, I would start sharing the gospel. What was the evangelism training of the early church? Did they do CWT or EE? I know, they did three circles, right? <laughs> do you know what the early evangelism of the, uh, the early church's evangelism training was? Do you know what Paul's evangelism training was? He tells us why here. I told you, I delivered to you with urgency what someone else told me. You know who that someone else was? Jesus on the road to Damascus and Ananias who told him, Paul, what are you waiting for? Have your sins washed away. What he learned in those first few moments of hearing the gospel, that's what he told someone else. So if you're here today and you say, you know what? I would love to share the gospel if I just knew what to say. There's good news for you. 
If you know enough of the gospel to be saved by it, then you know enough of the gospel to share it. That's it, right? <laughs> and by, by the way, there's an inverse principle there. And I don't mean anybody to doubt their salvation. Remember, we stand in our salvation. But let me just say this. If you're here today and you say, I don't know what I would share about the gospel, you at least have to ask yourself, if you don't know enough of the gospel to share it, do you actually know enough of the gospel to be saved by it? Paul says, I deliver to you as of first importance why I also received. And here's what he said. He said that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Jesus Christ on the cross took in his body on the tree, absorbing the wrath of God against your sin and mine, the judgment that we deserve. He took the penalty for sin, and the penalty for sin was death, and that's why on the cross he died for our sins. The Bible says he did that in accordance with the Scriptures. The Scriptures are sufficient to teach people that Jesus died for their sins. What scriptures is he talking about here? Well, what scriptures is he talking about? Maybe Isaiah chapter 53 he's talking about. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was crushed for our chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray, each one to his own way. But he has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. The scriptures. Genesis 3.15 I'm going to put enmity between your seed and her seed. And you will bruise his heel, but he's going to bruise your head. <laughs> According to the scriptures, Jesus died for our sins. Friends, it is the essential core of the gospel. But the problem is, many times when we share the gospel, that's all we say. I can't tell you how many people that I've gone, I w w remember going just a block away from the seminary one time and talking to a man, and I said, hello, sir. He said, hello. I said, have you, uh, have you ever heard of Jesus? He said, oh, yeah, I know Jesus. I said, man, that's great. When did you meet him? He said, four years ago. I said, how did you meet him? He said, he moved in as my neighbor down there. Now, he was serious. Never, if I would have told him that Jesus died on the cross for his sins and I had left out the resurrection... He'd have thought that Jesus was just a nice guy who still was dead. Paul says he died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Let's not leave out the resurrection. Friends, let me tell you, if this April, whenever you preach for Easter, if you're going to preach 1 Corinthians 15 and you're going to give an argument, Paul's arguments for the resurrection, then don't forget to tell your people to also include the resurrection in their gospel presentations. Because if we don't, it's as if some people want to think we're just talking about a nice man who died on behalf of someone else. He did do that, but he was also raised from the dead to show he was God. And then don't miss this piece here in the middle. A Baptist should never miss this piece when they're sharing the gospel. He died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. And he was buried. And he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Why, why do we do that? Well, first of all, Paul included the burial of Christ. Second of all, this shows in a, an apologetic way, he really was buried behind a, a, a big stone in a tomb and there was a Roman guard and actually he got out of that tomb. There's an apologetic method to it. But let me just tell you, there's also a disciple-making method to it. 
If we go and we just say Jesus died for your sins and there's no resurrection, or even if we say Jesus died for your sins and he was raised from the dead, what if we said this, Jesus died for your sins, he was buried, and he was raised on the third day. And if that person believes, then we can say, now you need to show that through what? Baptism. But if we just say he died on the cross for our sins, they don't see baptism. They think baptism is just another work to get God's favor in some way. But if we preach the gospel that Paul preached, that Jesus preached, that Jesus died, buried, and raised for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, then they'll see that whenever they make that decision to repent and to believe, the first thing they need to do as soon as the church can do it is to be baptized to show that very same message, to preach their very first sermon. The scriptures are sufficient, first and foremost, to substantiate and save converts with the gospel. Second of all, to substantiate the content of the gospel. And third, I want you to see this and then we're done. The scriptures are sufficient to standardize the communication of the gospel. Scriptures are sufficient to standardize the communication of the gospel. Look at what he says here as he goes on. He says, he also appeared, verse 5, to Cephas and to the twelve... And more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are alive, though some have fallen asleep. He appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as one untimely born, one born out of time, out of sync. That word there is almost like a, a miscarriage or an abortion in a way. That's the, the, kind of the, the background of that term there, untimely born. He appeared also to me, Paul says. He says, for I am the least of the apostles. I'm unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. You remember it was uh, Paul that was there, Saul, who was called then. And while they were stoning Stephen, Saul said, let me hold your coats so you can make sure to rear back enough and be able to throw that stone as hard as you can. And then after that, he goes breathing threats into Damascus to try to find those that are a part of the church of God. He was against it. He said, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle. I persecuted the church of God. Do you ever find yourself there and you say, you know what? I just, I'm just not good enough. I've done too much bad. Jesus has saved me, but I'm just not good enough to share the gospel. I'm the newest Christian in this room, you may say. Maybe you're saying, I've forgotten more about Christianity than I've remembered. Maybe you say, I've got the lowest GPA in here. Paul, for him, it was because of his persecution of the church that he said he was the least. But for you, what excuse are you using that you don't think you're good enough to share the gospel? Paul says, listen, I've got you beat. I've tried to persecute the church of God. I'm called an apostle and not worthy to be called an apostle. So what makes us think we all have our frailties? I've got a high-pitched voice. I'm a hillbilly. I've got a North Carolina accent. I've got every reason not to sh share the gospel with people. But you know what? The Bible says, Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. To the newest Christian in this room, you think you're not good enough? You think you're the least of, worthy of anybody to share the gospel? By the grace of God, you are who you are. 
to the one with the least amount of education. You think you're not good enough to share the gospel? You think you're the least of those that should be sharing? By the grace of God, you are who you are. For the lowest GPA, for the stammering tongue, for the one who's never been trained in evangelism, friend, you are, by the grace of God, who you are. And so is Paul. And Paul says the grace of God standardizes the proclamation and communication of the gospel so that when it comes to the gospel, there's not a professional and then a pauper. We're all on equal ground. Because he goes on to say this, On the contrary, I worked harder than any of those other apostles. Though it was not I, it was the grace of God that's in me. Friends, you may work harder at sharing the gospel than somebody else, but it's not you, it's the grace of God working in you harder. And that's why Paul then says, So then, whether it was I, the least, the most unworthy, the one who should have been discounted, whether it was I or they, the great apostles, the ones who walked with Jesus, the ones who you know their names, whether it was I or they. So we preach and you believe. Friends, it is about the content of the gospel, not the communicator that shares it. Friends, there's a lot of you that can preach the gospel a lot better than I can, but there's not a better gospel I can preach I love what my friend and colleague Mark Taylor at Southwestern Seminary said in his commentary on 1 Corinthians. He said this, There is only one true gospel, whoever may preach it. You know what that means? That means when it comes to the communication of the gospel, thank God for great and mighty men of God who've preached the word, who know how to preach the word, who know how to share the word. You're going to hear them on the stage this week. But when it comes to communicating the gospel, there's none of us that are greater than the other. Because no matter who it is, it's the grace of God that's working in us. And I just want to encourage some of you. There's some of you here today. You say, I, you know, I can't do that. I'll let the evangelism professor from Southwestern do my evangelism while I'm here. You're going to run into some people that I'm not going to see while I'm here. And God needs you in his employ. So when it comes in your ministries... As we think through the scriptures and the gospel, they can help us with a lot of the difficulties we face in evangelism. How many of you here, and you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you here have shared the gospel with someone and they said they received it, but they'd never call you back? They came to church a couple of times and now you can't find them anywhere. They didn't stand in the gospel. You know why? It wasn't, listen, don't let anybody beat you up that you didn't preach the gospel right unless you didn't. Let the Holy Spirit do that. But don't let somebody beat you up because you did a bad job preaching the gospel. Friends, if they aren't standing in the gospel, they never receive the gospel. So just make sure you're endeavoring to preach the gospel from the scriptures. Maybe you're here today and maybe that's not the thing, but you're here and you say, I would love to preach the gospel. I'd love to be, that's why I'm here at this evangelism conference. I want to be more equipped to be able to share the gospel. Friends, let me tell you something. We don't have any problem talking about the things that interest us. If you want to talk about the Dallas Cowboys, you know, last week I thought that the Dallas Cowboys had won the Super Bowl. Now, not this week, right? <laughs> Unfortunately. But if you want to talk about sports, you don't mind talking about it. Let me tell you something. If a grandparent or a parent has new pictures of their grandchild, they don't care if you want to hear or see it. They're going to show it to you on their phone, aren't they? 
We don't mind talking about the things that interest us, whether or not the other person's interested or not. So why don't we care about sharing the gospel? Because if you know enough of the gospel to be saved, you know enough of the gospel to share. And then last, some of you have been looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, you can't share the gospel like so-and-so or this person or that person. And you've got a self-perception problem. Maybe you've got a perception problem. Maybe the devil's been whispering in your ear. Hey, you don't, want, you don't want to mess that up. They may ask a question. You don't know the answer. Guess what? Nobody likes to know it all. They are going to ask you questions. They're going to ask me questions I don't know the answer to. That's okay. We'll just tell them. We'll get them an answer later on and share the gospel with them again. Friends, if you've got a self-perception problem thinking you're not good enough to share the gospel, if you've believed that lie, Paul says, by the grace of God, you are who you are. So whether it was him or they, so they preached and people believed. You know, before the big movies that came out uh, with the Avengers, you know, Chris Hemsworth and uh, Robert Downey Jr. and uh, Chris Pine, all, all those different things, uh, Maverick, the Maverick, uh, uh, Tom, Tom Cruise, you know, before all of those kind of guys, there, there was a great actor in Hollywood and his name was Charlton Heston. Can I get a witness on that? Y'all know who I'm talking about? Ten Commandments, Moses, holding it up, times the stone. You know, he also starred in that great movie. It was directed by Cecil DeVille, uh, DeMille called uh, Ben-Hur. Y'all have heard of that one? Seen that? If you've not seen it, go back. Don't look at the new one. Look at the old one with Charlton Heston. And there's this great chariot scene in there, if you know. Now, Charlton Heston, if you don't know who he is, look him up later on. He was a man's man. He could do anything except ride a chariot drawn by a horse. He didn't know how to do that. And Cecil DeMille, he was the kind of director, he didn't like to use a lot of stunt doubles. And so he told Charlton Heston, he called him Hess, he said, Hess, you're going to have to get lessons to learn how to drive that chariot behind that horse. And so Hess was a, a man's man. He said, all right, I can do it. And so he, he gave him a few mo- a weeks to a, a couple of months and learned how to do it. And uh, DeMille came to him and said, Hess, How's it coming? He said, well, you know those guys, those horse trainers that you've got me with? They're great, they're great uh, tutors, they're great trainers, they're great teachers for me. I finally got the hang of it, and I can stay in the race. He said, I, listen, I, he said, Cecil, I don't know that I can win the race that, you, that you're going to be filming. All I can tell you is I'm going to stay in the race. And Cecil DeMille said this, Charlton, he said, you make sure to stay to the script. You make sure to stay what is written, and I'll make sure you win. He was the director after all. It didn't matter if he won in real life or not. The camera was going to show that he won. And friends, let me just tell you, if you find yourself in self-pity and self-perception that you can't share the gospel, you think, I don't know what I would say if I were to share the gospel. Stay to the script. Stay to what was written, and God will see you through. Can we pray at this time? Heavenly Father, I come before you, and I thank you for Louisiana Baptist and their strong, strong commitment to evangelism. I thank you for Dr. Horn and Dr. Manuel and the whole team that's here. But Lord, I want to thank you especially this morning for your word. Your word is sufficient to stabilize, 
converts with the gospel, to substantiate the content of the gospel, and to standardize the communication of the gospel. Lord, there's not a one of us, no matter who we are, no matter how many degrees we have behind our name, there's not a one of us, Lord, that's worthy to be able to preach the gospel. And there's none of us that are fully equipped to do that. But by the grace of God, we are who we are. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters here today that as there's going to be more singing, as there's going to be more testimonies, as there's going to be more preaching, would you open our hearts and our minds in such a way that you would do something in Louisiana that no one could get credit for it but you. And may you strengthen our confidence in the scriptures and the gospel because, Lord, we believe they are enough. We ask these things in Jesus' holy name. And if you agree with that prayer, would you say amen?